What's next? This is a question we're all having to ask and answer more frequently. I'm Jenny Blake, your host of the Pivot Podcast and author of Pivot, The Only Move That Matters is Your Next One. For show notes from this episode, visit pivotmethod.com slash podcast. If change is the only constant, then let's get better at it. Here we go. Hello, Pivoters. I am so delighted and filled with glee today. It is like Christmas that I finally have my dear friends, Bob and Alex, here on the Pivot Podcast. Bob and Alex are some of my closest friends in New York City. They're like family to me. I spend almost every Friendsgiving with them when I don't fly home to California. And they have a new book coming out in August called Radical Alignment, How to Have Game-Changing Conversations That Will Transform Your Business and your life. Bob and Alex, welcome to the show. Hi, we're so happy to be hey, here. Hi. So great to be here. I'm going to just alternate. I'll <clears throat> say Alex and Bob, Bob and Alex. Let me read your <laughs> official bios just to give people a little taste. Alexander Jameson is a success mentor, life and health coach to creative professional women who want it all. She's the best-selling author of Women, Food, and Desire, co-creator and co-star of the Oscar-nominated documentary Super Size Me, and highly sought-after wellness expert. She's also the host of Her Rules Radio, an amazing podcast, and I just have so much respect for you, Alex. I love everything that you're doing. Bob helps organizations move faster, create better products, and become happier, more engaging places to work. He's an authority on agile software development, lean theory, and responsive organizational design. He's the author of Agile Business, A Leader's Guide to Harnessing Complexity, and he speaks regularly on organizational development and leadership. So you can see Bob and I love geeking out about business books and agile and all that kind of stuff. So. I'm so happy to have you both here. Can you, can you all listeners, can you get a sense that this is like a power couple? For those of us in New York, they often host these brunches of like rebels, creatives, interesting people with the best bacon. And, <laughs> and I would say, Alex and Bob, you are one of those couples that so many of us not only turn to for advice, but look at and just so respect how you operate, that you are so loving and warm and respectful of each other, creative, supportive. And I'm not saying that you're perfect or anybody's perfect, but I will say that in our broader New York and Brooklyn community, you're a go-to that so many of us are often turning to for insight and advice. So thank you for being that in all of our lives. Wow, we're really touched by that. Thank yeah. you. You didn't know. You didn't know that on the Pivot Podcast. I just, my job is to make you blush, you know? <laughs> like, if I can just embarrass you in the first 10 minutes, we're off to a good start. It's it's working. <laughs> so I'm really excited to talk about this new book, Radical Alignment. And by the way, everybody, this episode is going to come out on Friday, May 1st. It's going to be May already? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. Or and it would be a big boost to Bob and Alex. If you enjoy this conversation and you want to get this book, which I encourage everybody to do, let's all pre-order today, Friday, May 1st. And this is going to give them a nice boost of momentum. I always like to help friends out. And if you enjoy this as much as, you know, so many of us have benefited from the framework that we'll talk about today. Uh, and this book was we were talking has been remolded. There was a previous, we'll even call it a pilot book. Bob is featured. We pivoted. In we exactly. Pivoted 
Yeah, it used to be called Getting to Hell Yes. And um, I forgot to mention, Bob was featured in the pilot section of Pivot. So yeah. astute readers yeah. will already know a little bit about Bob's story. Tell us about Radical Alignment, and maybe you could even just kick us off with the framework. I'm sure you're going to be asked that a million times, but just to get everybody a little bit on the same page. Yeah. Can I, I go first? Yeah. All right. So uh, the the framework, it's a conversational framework. It's, it's sort of a structured conversation. And the idea behind us, I mean, it may seem weird to structure a conversation, um, but uh, the reason we, we built it or the reason that it actually kind of emerged as such a valuable tool for us is that it really helps us avoid missing conversations. Um, and, you know, in, in relationships, both in business and in personal life, often conflict is due to two people just not having had the right level of information or, or operating from different levels of assumption, uh, different kinds of assumptions. It's a, a classic one we like to use in a personal uh, context is you're going on vacation. One person wants adventure. The other person wants to rest and relax. Both people really want to go on vacation. And if we just use the word vacation, if we don't have a, a deeper conversation, we might not design a conversation that really both people end up walking away from happy and satisfied. And we might introduce conflict where none is really needed. So the idea is just like, let's have uh, let's let's create a, a, a structure and let's just make sure that we we hit all the notes. Um, it doesn't have to always be so structured and it can be we, we use it. We almost play jazz with it ourselves, you know, now because we've done it so much. But uh, but it really is pitched as or described in the book as a very, very structured conversation that can happen both in business as well as in personal life whenever you're doing something important. I like to say it's the four agreements for how to have a high stakes or highly emotional conversation where everyone wins. It's so good. Can you share a little bit about the four pieces? Yeah, it's really simple and we'll go deeper into it. But you each share taking turns, <laughs> your intentions, concerns, boundaries, and dreams. And the way this kind of shows up, like, like, so let's, let's actually use vacation as a, as an yeah, example. That's a good example. Yeah. It, it, could, so, it could seem like a tug of war too, right? Where it seems impossible to hit what both people are looking for at first glance. Right. And also you can also frame the questions in different ways. And so in, intentions, concerns, boundaries, and dreams is the, let's call it the buckets that we're, that we're filling with information or that we're constraining the conversation to at different times. Um, but you can, but it really is very helpful to really tune how those questions are asked to the, the, the situation that you're in. So let's, we, we want to try something. I, I'm just springing this on Alex now, but we've been dreaming a bit recently about actually going on vacation this summer and vacation for us every year is to go to Oregon where Alex's family is and also where our favorite, one of our favorite places on the planet is the Sylvia beach hotel, which is uh, in, uh, what, what's the name of the town? Newport, Newport, uh, Oregon, when it sits on the coast, it's an old Victorian. Um, but, uh, but maybe we can just do a, a, a sort of a quick, use that as an example. How does that sound? Sure. Yeah. yeah I love okay. it. Yeah. All right, cool. So we've done, we've already done the first part of the conversation, which is one, we've established what we're talking about. And then we could also even talk about why we're talking about it. And I think we're talking about it because we both want to have a great vacation, you know? Yeah. yeah. So then we start having the conversation and it's like, so Alex, why do you want to go on vacation? I want to get out of our apartment and I want to get out of New York City. I can't wait to get out into the world and explore again and be in nature and, yeah, have fun together, relax. 
Yeah. So my role at that moment was just to listen to Alex and it could go on, you know, frankly, this conversation could be very deep and, you know, it could take her 10 minutes to get all, all of her intentions about something or even longer, right? It could be a, a very deep conversation. But what I'm also listening for is like, well, what's important to her? You know, like, well, she wants to relax. She wants to get out of the apartment. She wants, you know, so I'm starting to understand kind of the values that sit underneath intentions is a wonderful way to sort of expose what our values are, what's important to us. So for me, I want to go on vacation because, um, I actually really like your family. I like to connect with them. <clears throat> it makes me feel, uh, they're in some ways, you know, I'm in some ways closer to them than I am to my own family of origin. And it really gives me that sense of family. Like I really, I really enjoy that. Um, I also want to drink some good wine and Oregon is a wonderful place to do that. Eat some wonderful food, get out in some tide pools and find some, uh, sea anemone, anemones, and I can't pronounce it. And anemones, uh, and, um, go hiking and get my feet wet and you know, get, get damp. Just Oregon's a great place to get damp. It is a good place for that. <laughs> so we've done the intentions. Um, and so that's really like the first bucket. And again, it just sort of gets out. Why are we doing this? So what's the second bucket, Alex? The second bucket <laughs> is you share your concerns and this is something humans are really good at. You know, we have a negativity bias, so our worries, fears, and concerns are usually more present than, you know, the good things we want. And it's such a, it's such a, I, I know it might sound scary at first, but it can be a really soothing exercise to have a safe place where somebody is just hearing your concerns and fears. And it actually can calm down the lizard brain and it helps uncover any potential landmines in a topic. You mentioned the negativity bias. It seems like for a lot of heated conversations, people jump right to concerns, that yes. it starts with their concerns. And then the conversation is sort of under this cloud of fear and concern and worry. And yeah. that that could even maybe threaten the other person or annoy the other person if they don't share the same concerns. Right. Or you're not given space to have them. You know, somebody one person might have a lot of fear and concerns and the other person gets upset with you for having them yeah. when, and, go ahead. Yeah, no. And I was going to say, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but talk about vacation this summer. Look at couples where one is highly concerned about getting sick or taking that risk. And maybe the other one isn't the other one's yes. more concerned about staying home. So I'll let you keep going. I'm loving being a fly on the wall of this conversation. <laughs> but it's, it seems really important, even of a topic that seems uh, not I I cannot call vacation trivial, especially not now, but a topic that at its face doesn't seem controversial. But yet, with the times that we're in absolutely could be. And concerns don't even have to be logical. I mean, kind of going back to the negativity bias, you know, um, when we started writing a book together, which was our first project, you know, that we ever business project we ever did together, we were a stable couple when we started. Um, you know, when we and I think we, we we used this process to talk about doing the project together. And one concern that came up was doing a project is going to cause stress and that stress is going to lead to divorce. You know, like it actually went all the way there, yeah. like really quickly, even though that wasn't, you know, like we've both been in bad relationships or difficult relationships in the past. And we knew that this one was not that. But at the same time, it was like, but that, yet that concern was there. And there was something great about just speaking it and hearing it come out of your mouth. Because you know how sometimes like you say stuff, and you're like, oh, that sounds ridiculous now that I'm saying it. Um, and so sometimes concerns are sort of an opportunity for that. I love uh, that you just said that. Yeah. Or even, I don't know why this is even a concern for me, but it is. 
Yeah. Like, let me talk about my concerns on vacation. Like, and I, I it's funny, I was just thinking, <laughs> this, this may sound silly, but like, I'm concerned Alex's family doesn't like me, which is really ridiculous, I think, you know, anyway, you know, but it's, but it's, it's, you know, like it has to do with like my history and, you know, I mean, I think we all are concerned about people liking us or something. It's, it's not about her family per se. It's about me, but it's sort of like, oh yeah. But if like, I think about going out there, you know, like, oh, I think about like, oh, maybe I'll be with people that don't want me around. <laughs> or, you know, I'm, I'm concerned that we often end up working while we're on vacation. Right. And sometimes one of us needs to work while we're on vacation, just a little bit. So I'm concerned about balancing our work schedule with our play schedule with our teenager's schedule who wants to go to a different skate park every day. You know, it's like anticipating problems too yeah and i'm concerned you know like this crisis is causing changes in everybody's business you know thankfully we've been spared from a lot of that and you know but definitely i am more cautious with cash than i have ever you know than i have been in the past you know five or six years now and i'm get concerned about oh that we should really be spending that money on something else that this is a dumb thing to spend money on and and so that even brings up a concern that we won't do the vacation and we will suffer for it, you yeah. know, because because we'll just be like, oh, we can't, we we shouldn't, we'll spend that, we should spend that money on something else, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and do so. you address the other's concerns when you're going through the framework? Would you respond or would you just hear each person's concerns, try to surface those, them all as many as you can and keep moving? It really depends. And I think, and what it depends upon is it depends upon your emotional state as the person who is listening. So if I hear somebody say something and I want to fix it, or I want to diminish it, or I want to change the other person, if I'm feeling triggered, let's just say, and and I think it can be sometimes difficult to notice, particularly men, I think we have a hard time noticing when we're triggered. We just think that we are being critical, you know, or that we're being we were being logical or something, but really, you know, like, oh, that upset me to hear that, um, then you probably shouldn't say anything. But if you are curious and if you really are, you want to hear more and you think your questions might actually help the person get more in touch with their concerns on a deeper level, then by all means. The intent of this conversation, by the way, is not problem solving. The intent of this conversation is pure information sharing, because the more information we have about each other, the more empathy we have for each other, which means that any solution we do come up with, because we can go into problem solving later or solutioning later, but we want to go in with a full range of information. So right now, you're just just asking questions. I love love that you shared that. I love that you gave us that frame that this is servicing information and connecting and aligning it is not about problem solving. No. Great. Not even, not even a little bit. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I right. feel like I'm lecturing all of the men out there who used to be, who was, you know, I'm lecturing my, a younger version of myself who desperately needed to hear that because, it would, you know, when, a, when my partners would, would share something with me, I'd be like, well, you know what you should do is blank or that's, that concern is silly because of X, you know, and like I'd want to go into explaining mode or diminishing mode or problem solving mode. And those just aren't, you know, they're not terribly helpful. Well, they have their place. Eventually they can be very helpful. But, you know, when you're, if you're trying to share information and encourage sharing, they're not. It's even the number one thing 
mistake that pivoters make is jumping straight to problem solving. Right. And in a way, they're not aligned with themselves on their intentions, their strengths, their vision. So there are some very similar categories. And when that happens, and you jump straight to problem solving, it's what you just said, Bob, there's no solution there. The person can feel more stuck or analysis paralysis, compare and despair, all the things that get in the way, because we do have this human inclination toward problem solving too quickly, it seems, and mm -hmm. almost as a way to control what feels overwhelming or scary. Yes. How about boundaries <laughs> for this upcoming vacation? Yeah, so boundaries are sometimes challenging for people to express or know. So we encourage you to think of them as starter boundaries. You know, give it give it a try. It doesn't have to be perfect. And you're not demanding anything in the moment. Think about how you want to feel. How you like how do you want to feel and how do you know you need to take care of yourself and what can you do to feel that way? That's, you know, it's like, what's your best self-care for yourself? Like a boundary may be, you know, I'm not going to drink more than twice a week on vacation, mm. um, you know, which is more challenging with certain family members than others. <laughs> <laughs> um, a boundary can be, you know, we're not going to stay with a certain family member. We're going to stay in a hotel because that person is very stressful to be around 24 seven. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, like I, I and also I think I, I love what you said about the starter boundaries. The way I think of them, too, is sort of like flexible boundaries. And if you've had um, kids or puppies, um, you know, <laughs> which I know you have now, Jenny, that they that, you know, like you have your boundary and you have to give boundaries, you know, to kids and to puppies. Um, but you also have to be flexible with those boundaries, because sometimes you may have the boundary a little bit wrong. And a, and, and a a harshness of boundary can sometimes actually um not well let's just say lead to poor outcomes so you know like so when i travel i always have you know kind of specific boundaries which i would even say they're like sort of preferences like uh if i'm going to fly somewhere i want to be on an aisle seat and i want to do a direct flight i don't like to change <laughs> um and i like to fly during the day not red eyes and you know not 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 when i should be sleeping and i like to not get up too early and you know like all of those sorts of things. Also, this hotel we love to go to on the coast, you know, one boundary we've we used to go out like for two nights and then we realized that three night that it takes a long time to get there and a long time to get back. You know, it's a drive. So three nights becomes almost a minimum. Right. You know, so it's sort of it's little things like that that as we begin to articulate them. And vacation is sort of an interesting one. If I was articulating boundaries in work, I might talk about how many hours of sleep I need a night or the fact that I need to exercise a certain amount of time in order to be at my best at work. But we're really saying, what is it I need in order to show up as my best self in the circumstance that we're, that we're discussing? And, uh, and it's an opportunity to do not just um, communicate to your partner your, your boundaries are, but often it's, you know, these are the questions we haven't asked ourselves sometimes, yeah. right? Like just discussing like, like, well, what do I need? Mm -hmm. When have, when am I at my best? And so sometimes you can approach them of, well, tell me about a vacation, tell me about a time, a work project or a vacation when you were at your best. And what was it, what was that like? And then you can kind of get them that way too. I feel like boundaries are such a tricky area. The word itself is tricky to me, you know, and mm -hmm. I've read books that say, you've got to have clear boundaries. And maybe it's books on codependency or things like this, where mm -hmm. if you don't have boundaries, you are completely lost. And you're as 
you're as addicted as the person you're supporting, you know? Okay. And then I've read other books. And Alex, I know you're all, (laughs) you've read so many of these too. But let's say um, Byron Katie's take on boundaries is that it's their more rigidity. They're creating certain rigidities that don't necessarily, you, you can inquire around them and the boundaries can actually soften. And so for me, it seems so tricky sometimes to understand what is a true boundary and then what if that boundary conflicts? And you could see me, here's my future trip of like, what if, what if? But mm. when when two boundaries of each person or, or preferences, and I love how you've given us some options here, starter boundaries, flexible boundaries, preferences, when they seem to conflict, mm-hmm. you know, how do you soften around these? And, and But it's such an important question as well. And what you said, that it can be hard to know individually what those boundaries even are or ideal preferences? Well, well, it's a dance. You know, it's not, it's not always easy in the middle of this conversation to know. I, I actually recommend like going through the entire thing before you start workshopping, that kind of thing. But just notice when you're in the boundary section, okay, so our boundaries are not aligned. You know, you have, you want to, go out drinking every night and I only want to drink twice. You know, that may be, that may be a a conflict there. Um, Okay. So now we see it. Let's like, keep going. Let's keep talking. Let's keep getting through the next section and, and then maybe come back and create the plan. Yeah. Cause right now we're talking about, you know, and I, and I think one way, so we, you know, I do this in a business context. We also do it in a, I run this conversation structure. So in a business context, I might talk about the boundaries of a project, you know, like, well, what are our deadlines? What are our, what are our budgets? You know, what are the things that we know? You know, so we can say, say we can sort of say we, but we can also say you, like what has you show up as your best, you know, or, um, you know, I work with a lot of teams, sometimes it's some big companies and there'll be one person who is, you know, 50% allocated to the project that we're discussing and somebody else for whom it's 10% and somebody else, it's their primary thing and their whole career is resting on it, you know, and sort of like beginning to articulate those things up front and having different levels of, you know, maybe being okay with different levels of involvement or different, different boundaries, but you don't know until you get all of those out. Um, the other thing I was thinking of is you said that sometimes people lead with their concerns. I also find sometimes people lead with their boundaries, you know, like, Um, you know, people, you know, especially people, and I've done this myself, uh, you know, you I've read many books on codependence myself and many books on, um, you know, uh, having, you know, spent time with, with in an addictive environment, let's just say, right. That sometimes we are, we are poor with boundaries early on. And so then once we learn them as a new tool, we're like boundary, 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 boundary everywhere. You just crossed my boundary. Therefore, you know, and like we, we just sort of start using them to kind of like deflect everybody away from us and push everybody away. And I think that's a, there's a time when that's really, really appropriate, but the intent, the way we're using them here is really just to, as a sort of a shared exploration of the first principles that, of what makes us show up our best and what, you know, and that mean, we mean that both individually and collective. And so it has to be sort of a, a curious conversation, not a, firm setting of boundaries. That's not what we're saying. Yeah. And I love that take on it of asking for each individual. I've never heard boundaries expressed as what helps you show up as your best. I mean, that's so it's so empowering to think of it that way instead of what don't you want? What do you want to block out? What are you trying to prevent? And that whole Mm -hmm. thing of let me erect all these boundaries so that 
you, the other person, can make me feel safe. But instead, like, what do I need? And and what arises within that question? And I love Alex's reminder, don't try to solve this yet. Because here, again, with concerns and with boundaries, it might be tempting if there's sensitive points in this to try to solve from that place, although it doesn't seem as generative as, let's say, even the last section of the framework dreams might be. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes by the, you know, you you might find points of conflict in the first or in conflict or concerns and boundaries, but the final section, you're ending on a high note, you share your dreams. You know, if this vacation were to go so beautifully for me, for you, for us, for the family, what would be true? Like what would have happened for this to become such a life affirming and, and, you know, generative vacation for us. And sometimes that is in that, like that helps frame those conflicting boundaries. The answer just becomes obvious. Mm -hmm. It, it can solve that problem. Yeah. Yeah. Dreams are sort of like, what are we creating? You know, like it's pulling, it's what's pulling us towards rather than boundaries is sort of like, well, what are we moving away from or what are we trying to wall out or wall off? And I think they're both, you know, it's much better to have a, if you're making decisions about boundaries, to be clear about what they are in service of and the dream is what they are in service of. You know, so we're originally, you know, I think in the first, first in this conversation, we're just like, get, let's get it out. Let's just sort of like, let's, you know, let's, it's sort of like brainstorming rules, right? There are no bad ideas, you know, like there are no bad boundaries. Um, but we're not making any decisions now just because, um, you know, we, we're not ordering off of a menu just because I say my boundary, you know, my boundary is I'm going to go out drinking every night. I don't know where that came from because that's not me, but anyway, but let's say that it was a boundary. Like I want to, I, I want to really tie one on every night this, <laughs> this vacation. Cause that's going to, you know, that, um, that I'm just getting that bound. I'm just getting it out there as kind of a starter. I'm not saying that I'm going to get everything. I'm not ordering you to allow me to go out drinking every single night. You know, like that's not, I'm not ordering off of a menu because a relationship is a dialogue, a relationship, and we're both fully committed to the relationship above and beyond any specific experience that we're having. Right. And we always understand yeah. there's going to be one person having low desire, one person having higher desire for whatever it is we're discussing. And so we're going to have to, everything is sort of a negotiation and we're just being explicit about that. And I think the, the part of sharing our dreams together that I love so much is it really helps frame the relationship and also the vacation the specific topic as coming from the place of like, we are for each other. I am for you and you are for me. And this relationship isn't 50, 50, it's a hundred percent, a hundred percent. We're both really investing in this. That's what, that's the power of this entire conversation. It's really helpful to include your partner's happiness in your dream, you know, to kind of remind them, you know, like, so let's say we go on the, we're going on yeah, vacation. Tell me about your dreams for this yeah, vacation. So, so my dream for this vacation would be that we, and often I, I, I like to do it almost viscerally, like how am I feeling at the end, you know, more than what have I experienced along the way. Um, and I think, you know, I'm, we're, you know, my dream is that we're flying home from the conversation. Everybody is healthy. <laughs> Everybody is happy. Um, we have some, you've, you've collected some shells that are going to, you know, that are sitting in your bag and they're going to be, you know, joining the collections we have around the house. And um, we're well rested and kind of coming home really excited to 
get back to work, you know, um, and because actually this is going to be happening before we launch our book, probably in, in August. So that we're coming home, like ready to do that final push for the book. Yeah. Or maybe it's after the book launch. I don't know. I don't know. We may do it in late August in case it'll be after. But yeah, you know, yeah. my dream is that we each feel so totally filled up and satisfied in ourselves. Like you had the experiences that were fun and relaxing and filling for you. I feel rested and like reconnected to nature and had fun with our kid and got to see all our family and friends and had fun with them and new memories were made and, you know, surprising things happen and we had great food and, (laughs) you know, just really feeling into all of those possibilities for each other and ourselves. This sounds awesome. I think we're all going to come on this vacation with you. <laughs> I should point out that we've taught, this, we, we've taught this process, by the way, to probably about a thousand people since the start of the pandemic. And we haven't been talking about anything nearly as happy as going on vacation in the summer. We've been talking honest, you know, we did a lot. We, a lot of it was early on was scoped really around social distancing. And what does that mean for a couple? What does that mean for a family? But we still asked the dream con- question at the end of it. You know, it's like it may be weird to say, you know, like, what's your dream for this pandemic? You know, <laughs> given that that, you know, like it's it's such a it's so horrific and is it, it, it's costing, you know, people so much personally, both, you know, uh, their lives and their livelihoods and and so much uncertainty. And yet there is a way that you can get through a stressful circumstance and, and be proud. You know, like I think what I kept coming up for me whenever we would approach this was I want to look back on my time and I want to be proud of the way that I behaved, that I didn't let the stress cause me to behave in ways that I'm, you know, that, 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 you know, how we can all get kind of small sometimes that I didn't get, you know, angry and tight and, and, but I was, but I was courageous and I supported the people around me and I took care of myself and I took care of the things that were important and I, and that I didn't put anybody at risk by, you know, walking around New York city without a mask or without gloves or too often. Yeah. Yeah. Jenny, you, you mentioned future tripping, which is something we do, but I actually future tripping for this dreams portion. It's, you know, it's a, a slight pivot and how to future trip. Like I'm looking back on this vacation from the future looking back and saying, wow, that was amazing. How did it go? Yeah, I love that. And I love Bob's question of what would I be proud? So both the the vacation example and even something that feels, talk about triggering, I could see how these stay at home, shelter at home situations can be such a roller coaster. I'm in one too. I'm sure you guys have been as well, where some days you're optimistic and hopeful and getting along. And then other days it's like, we haven't done anything other than see each other. You know? Yeah, or hour to hour. It's not even full days. It's like totally, totally. But I, I, it's a huge part of what I teach too. That without that vision, and the more visceral, the better. As you both said, that's the draw. That's what's so becomes so compelling and creative. And I, I wonder if you experience this with your framework. But with pivot, certainly, I tell people you don't have to know how you're going to get to that vision. It's just the permission to let yourself dream a little bit before you get too bogged down in the how and the next steps that go go big, be wild, be crazy, be curious, say what's really on your mind for your vision. You can always change it later, but I don't see any downside of just letting yourself roam in that dreams stage of this radical alignment framework. Yeah. 
and get clear on what's essential, you know, but, you know, like I think the boundary conversation, like you can have a, a boundary, like I need to leave work at, you know, let's say I'm at work and I'm having it with my team. I need to leave work at five every day, you know, like, and that shows up as this kind of like can almost be petulant, but it's like, but my boundary is that I get time with my family each day, you know, that cause that's, cause that's how I show up my best the following day. And my boundary is that I eat well and I exercise enough and I sleep well. Um, and so you sort of begin to kind of get, and I, and I think the dreams are, we get to the end of this project and we're really proud of the work we've done and, you know, nobody has, uh, sacrificed their health in order to get there. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, it can, they can almost be very simple and they can be, and that's almost really the radical rather than saying, you know, like I'm on stage at the Ted conference describing the best thing ever, which <laughs> may be part of my dream. Right. That may be, right. you know, but, but it's not, it, but it's not, we're not trying to fantasize necessarily as much as we are trying to be mm. like grounded in what the, what the true essential nature of this thing is for us. I love that. I love that. And I'm, I'm so happy you brought up vacation as the example today too, because <laughs> in a way you're giving us all a light. Like I think you're walking us all through a dream of what can this be in the most simple ways and the essence. I just love that guidance around the essence of the vision and the dream. How has it been? So you've been sheltering at home, doing virtual workshops and connecting with friends, I'm sure virtually, and working on this book and getting ready to launch this book. So how has it been for the two of you? This is the first book you've written together. It is a pivot is the next iteration of getting to hell. Yes. But talk to us about this process. And I always think whatever topic you choose to write about Alex, I mean, you both know this, you're both authors but you suddenly get a black belt in that topic. (laughs) So I'm curious what you've learned, even working on this version of the book that's coming out with Sounds True, about this process that maybe you didn't even know a year ago. You know, it's, we both feel like it's some kind of divine timing that we're starting to promote and market this book in a time when the tool that we wrote about is so helpful to people. It's, you know, we were not planning on teaching a bunch of huge online workshops to people before the book launched, but we've had the opportunity to share the tool and we've been using it constantly together as a couple for the book, for our marriage. Um, You know, we we have a child who uh, has been with his dad most of this isolation period. And, you know, we're going to be using it with him when he comes back, we're going to be using it as a couple before he comes back. And, you know, I'm really grateful for this tool, we use it so often, and it helps us just get clear and reconnected. Because we do, I certainly spin out, I'll speak for myself, like, I have moments of doubt and fear and worry. And, coming back to this grounding kind of ritual of a way to connect that feels safe and structured just really helps bring some <laughs> alignment <laughs> into my life. Yeah. And I think for me, the thing, and I've also continued, you know, doing my work as um, a management consultant, as, as you know, my, I have a client near, near your home. And, uh, but of course I haven't seen them because we're all working at our, in our home offices now for, for what, you know, seven weeks, six or seven weeks at the moment. And plus the book, plus, 
so anyway, there's been a lot of stress, actually. I've been working very hard. There's been a lot of stress. And one of the things I think that the, the gift of difficult moments in our lives and in our world is that it really allows us to rethink about what's essential, just like in New York City or ever all over the world. I guess we've discovered that, you know, people who deliver our food are essential workers. People who work, who bag groceries in grocery stores are essential workers. And they may be people who aren't compensated like they are essential, um, you know, the, the way, the way they perhaps they should be, or even appreciated sort of socially, they don't have the, 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 the social value or whatever, you know, the, in the city necessarily. Um, I hope that's coming out. Okay. I'm, I'm really not trying to disparage anybody, but what I'm saying is like, it gives us this opportunity to rethink what's essential. And what I'm discovering is that because my work is often about strategy and my work is often about, let's call it the IQ or the capability of a team of an organization. But what I'm discovering is that it's the EQ and it's the relationships, which is really the game changer and really the difference. And I think I've been, I've been called in that direction probably for the past five years. And now this has given me the opportunity to be like, Oh yeah, that is, this is where my career needs to focus almost entirely is on building really strong emotional relationships between team members because that's the that's the difference maker in business and is the difference maker in life i think as evidenced by your epic brunches both yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah now i just want to do those for a living if i can just figure out oh a way my to make gosh <laughs> if only if only everyone could experience your brunches no you're both you're both so good about connecting with yourselves with each other and with your community and i think that's why when i started this episode saying you're like family to me in New York. I'm not the only one that would even say that. So it is really a gift that you both have. And I love, I just love seeing how this body of work has unfolded and evolved over the years. And I, Bob, you said it at the beginning, it's kind of like jazz. But watching you speak on stage together for the first time in 2018, not responsive, I'm going to throw that in the notes, seeing you facilitate these workshops now, even having you here on this podcast, of course, it's seamless. I was wondering, how's it going to be interviewing two people at once? <laughs> and we're not on video or anything. I've done it once before. And sometimes it's awkward, sometimes not. But it's such a delight to just see how you're both so in the moment with each other. Thank you. Thanks. Well, this is so fun to talk to you. Well, it's always fun to talk to you, but <laughs> it's even you. more fun somehow when it's getting recorded and shared. I, I know. know. It's very exciting. I feel like I'm, I'm so happy that the Pivot podcast community gets to learn more about both of you. Like this just brings, sparks a lot of joy for me. I'm I'm very curious because any, I talk on the podcast too about thought leadership, public original thinking, pinning down a framework takes work. This is an iteration. You, you've both been playing with this for a long time before it even had a name. Were there sections that you used to have that you left out or things that you renamed? Like, I'm just curious about the evolution of these four stages and how you got it distilled to this essence that we have now. Well, dreams used to be called desires early on. And then we, and then we decided that it was the one we were working with it because it was started off actually we were teaching it in a in a couples workshop that we taught years ago and it was almost a um what do you call it like an afterthought because we realized i think after the first workshop that people were arriving like with different level of expectation for the workshop you know like often one person was being dragged there by the other <laughs> and we're like and we were like uh, you know you guys need to be aligned before we even start you know, and so we just sort of developed this. We were like, well, what are the things that are missing? Well, people, well, why are you coming? Well, I'm coming because, you know, 
I'm not, I'm just going to gender this for a moment. I'm coming because she made me come, you know, like, right. Like, and while that's, you know, you could be better. It's also not, it's also a rather valid and even kind of a sweet intention, right? Like I'm here because my partner wants me to be here and I don't know what I'm getting into. I don't, everything's fine as far as I can tell, you know, like, but just getting that out and having that out and having it present in the room, we found really valuable. And then the, and then concerns was also like, well, I'm, you know, we would find, you know, like we, we would find like in the workshop that people would walk over, we would call them like landmines, you know, like those third rail topics that you don't know are there until you start talking about them. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, oh man, we should have known that ahead of time. So let's talk about concerns and then boundaries and dreams and dreams was just sort of a, a nice, a nice way to end. So I don't think it's really changed. I think it's what's changed about it is, is that it's become more important and it's and it's spread into more contexts for us. It's more foundational and it's more universal. Yeah. We we've used it in so many more unique ways since the beginning. Um, we've just, we've figured out how to apply it. It really applies to almost every situation or topic that we have. Yeah. I remember so many times, either me calling Bob or Alex and being like, can you tell me the four steps again? And <laughs> writing them down, maybe on a napkin. And then I've also been in the room when someone else is saying, can you tell me those four steps again? And I just remember so many people informally always asking you, remind me, because I got to I gotta really prepare for this conversation, or we're really disagreeing on this thing. Or, you know, there's a lot of fear in this other area. And I just remember so many friends, and so many moments extracting this from the two of your brains over and over. Well, this book started as a Google Doc, I think, for exactly that that use case. You know, we were yes. like, I've just explained this so many times. And, and, you know, not that I don't love to explain it to people, um, but I actually was explaining it once to a friend. I was in a cab in uh, in New York. And it was, it was a lot of traffic. So I ended up being in it for like an hour coming home, you know, a 10 minute ride turned into a 60 minute ride. And I was in a, well, on the phone with a friend in LA who had just, who was just getting together with a new partner. And I described the whole really. And then at the end of the, I got, I was getting out of the car at the end of the conversation and the Uber driver leaned over and he's like, thank you so much. Oh, <laughs> I learned so much from so that conversation. Cool. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. I know. But I was, anyway, we, you know, I was thinking when we came to this conversation, I'm like, and there, I'm going to go do that thing where I asked them to explain the method yet again, because I, you know, here I am, it's four years after Pivot came out, and I've explained it many times, just like both of you. But I love how you picked a topic that's fresh right now. And I just had a chuckle to myself realizing if you spent your whole podcast tour of this book launch each time picking the next topic that's real for you, you'll work through <laughs> yeah. so many things by the end of your oh book launch. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's genius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I, we're I like, to do it anyway. Yeah. yeah, after four or five years, someone says, "What are the four stages?" And you're like, "Okay, here we go." And you sort of go on this autopilot, and but you didn't do that. I'm very impressed. <laughs> I like it. Well, so, it's still so fresh and so useful for us. Yeah, like it's yeah. still this really snuck up on us as being like it is. I, I would, you know, I don't know. We have a. I'm just going to brag. We have a great relationship. And yes, you do. I've had bad. Re I, I, from my perspective, you have a great relationship. Yes, I agree. Okay, wonderful. I third. Um, I third. We have like, and I've, I've relationship has been something I've struggled with a lot in my life. And one of the reasons, though, that I think we have this relationship is this not. It's not just the method. We're also the right people for the right for each other. You know, like having this conversation. But it is. But this method has become so foundational to us. 
And I'm just so glad. I'm so grateful. Like we just got a text today, someone saying she, I taught it to her a year ago and she's like, I use it for everything. And it's amazing. And I'm like, that's so, it's just so wonderful to hear it's the, that it's having an impact for people. So anyway, thank you for giving us the platform. Of we course. really appreciate it. So my final question before asking where people can find you and more about the book and pre-order is what are your dreams for this launch this year? Um, I mean, I would love for this to get on a bestseller list. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, my dreams are that we just get this tool into so many people's hands and that we just get to keep basking in the joy of hearing people's experiences of coming together and getting clear and finding relief and, you know, finding and creating great relationships. Yeah. I mean, my, I share the dream about the bestseller list. Um, and I, sh and the dream is though that it gets into a lot of people's hands and that it, and that people begin to pass it around that it really, cause I think it's the word of mouth, which is so gratifying to me when I hear somebody say, Oh, I, I found this when I find out from somebody who hasn't, who hasn't heard it from me, who has used the methodology and has made a difference in their lives. Um, and then I think from a personal perspective, like our dream, my dream is, is that we are building a, uh, we both have other businesses uh, and we do other things, but that this becomes a real sort of a thing that I get to do all the time, a thing that I get to do a lot of, a thing, yeah. you know, a, 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 a significant part of our of our business smorgasbord. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. My dreams are that you get to go on this amazing vacation and everyone comes home safe, that we have a friend brunch. <laughs> Again, Yay. when we can. Oh, my goodness. Where would I rather go the, the second we can get out of the house? And my other dream is that you'll be on the Sounds True podcast and Tammy Simon will interview you because I just love her interviewing style. It's so good. And I can't wait to listen to that. She's the the publisher of Sounds True. Awesome. Amazing. Thank yeah. you. That's, that's now my dream, too. That's going to happen, right? I mean, it's inevitable. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Super okay. cool. Yeah. So our other collective dream is that if you enjoyed this conversation, you'll help Bob and Alex, Alex and Bob, kick off this launch with a really strong pre-order day today. So of course, if you listen to this after Friday, May 1st, no worries. I'm so happy you're here. You can still pre-order. And that it does make a difference to help show publishers and show Amazon which books are going to have some traction and momentum. It even helps the publisher determine how many copies to print for the first run, something as practical as that. So go wherever you buy your books to find Radical Alignment, how to have game-changing conversations that will transform your business and your life. Alex and, and Bob, we, thank you. Yeah, tell us, where can people find you? I was going to say, we really appreciate you go to Amazon for the day, for the for the first, because yeah. that's the algorithm we're trying to May impact. May 1st, <laughs> by Amazon. Every other day, go to an independent bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. And what about online? I know there's a special book website. You can go to radicalalignmentbook.com. And if you put your name in the little email box, we'll give you a free chapter that takes you through scripts and the steps that we use in our home, how we've used the conversation. So it's a great free chapter guide. You'll also get notified of the workshops we have coming up. We don't have one firmly scheduled yet, but one it will have it scheduled probably midweek next week. And, and then we'll that, that, that list will be notified. So sign up there. If there's one thing to know about Alex and Bob, they're always cooking up something. So whether it's oh. whether it's brunch or a pie or a workshop, 
<laughs> There's always something. <laughs> right. Yeah. Thank you both so much. Right. Thank you. Thank you. And thank thanks everyone thank for listening. You. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Pivot Podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips and templates by signing up for Pivot List, a curated twice monthly newsletter where I share the inside scoop on what I'm reading, watching, listening to, and the latest tools I'm geeking out on. Sign up at pivotmethod.com slash pivotlist. Get show notes from this episode at pivotmethod.com slash podcast. And connect with me on Twitter at Jenny underscore Blake. Remember, build first, then your courage will follow. Hasn't it always? <laughs> <laughs>